0: To the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's the best Did we just become best friends?
1: Yep.
0: Best friends forever. Fantasy
2: Best Friends Forever. All right, let's do this thing. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Frank Stample. No Greg Sussman this week. That means I'm not singing. I can't sing without Greg. I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to do that to people who are listening and watching. But. Greg Sussman's out. Today's his birthday. So happy birthday, Greg. Make sure you wish him a happy birthday on Twitter at Greg Sussman. Now You heard the promo before the start of the show today. So I thought there's no better person that I can get to break down the AAF than Matt Modica. What's going on, Matty Mo? Hey, what's going on, Frank? Uh,
3: Happy birthday to uh, Mr. Sussman.
2: Are you are you ready to break down the AAF? That's uh, that's what we're doing for the next hour.
3: Sure, whatever you want to do, my friend.
2: <laughs> that is Matt Modica. You can follow him on Twitter at CTM Baseball. Uh, I want to I want to give a congratulations to Matt Modica for for joining the Athletic Fantasy staff. First and foremost, uh, congrats, Matty Mo. Uh, like I do for the start of you know the past couple of weeks of shows, uh, I, I gotta I gotta ask you one very important question: How did you sleep last night?
3: I slept like a baby. Actually, I actually <laughs> had some good sleep. I usually don't sleep well, but last night, for some reason, I slept like a baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nah, that's great to hear. Uh, another question. I mean, look, everyone's dying to know. I'm dying to know. Uh, you know, everyone remembers Matt Modica from last year, the work he did with the Fantasy Sports Network. I uh, was on Roto Experts in the morning. He was on the Frenzy. I'm sorry, Goon Squad. I had to steal Matt Modica away for today's show with the Fantasy BFFs, Matt. How many drafts have you done so far? Because <laughs> I feel like usually at this point you have like. You have like 50 in your back pocket or something like that. I I
3: usually do a lot more. I kind of cut down so far this year and just been mapping things out. Uh, Trying to use uh, ADP as a guide. You should never use it as a Bible. But it gives you good indications. And I think we'll talk about KDS later on in the show.
2: Yeah, KDS. People are like, what the hell is a KDS? That's (laughs) Kentucky Derby style, uh, which is basically how picks are determined on the NFBC. So we'll get into that uh, specifically, Matt. You, uh, you don't play exclusively on NFBC, but I'd imagine you, you've have, you've had a lot of drafts there already. Am I right?
3: Uh pretty much. I'm exclusive there. I do a, a Dynasty League uh, with the guys uh, from RotoWire created that. That's really my like one and only. And I will be doing the Tout Wars Draft and Hold this year. Oh, so congrats. those would be my two, uh, my two non-NFBC leagues.
2: Yeah, so today on the show, we're going to break down the first round of fantasy baseball. I mentioned that last week uh, with Greg that I really wanted to do that with you. Kind of, you know, go over, all right, the top 15 picks right now for those who play in 15-team Roto Leagues. Talk about Lindor, this injury, how far is he slipping down drafts. I don't know if you had any, you know, drafts over the weekend where you you could see kind of where Lindor is slipping to. I know that there was uh, an industry-type draft, uh, the BARF League Uh, that Justin Mason hosts out there on the West Coast. Uh, So we'll get into that. I know uh, we have data from there to see where Francisco Lindor went uh, and where he was drafted. Uh, Matty Moe, I I told you I was going to bring this up before the show we were talking a little bit. And this is why we need to stick to fantasy. You know, I I try and play some basketball here and there, try to keep my cardio up. that's That's how I try and keep in shape. But now I got, like, this back injury. I got, like, this Clayton Kershaw thing going on where, like, honestly... If Greg was here this week, maybe I'd be put on like the DL or the IL, whatever they're calling it now. Uh, but Greg's not here, so I got to hold it down. Um, I messed up my back playing basketball. Uh, this is this is why we stick to fantasy and we don't play any sports, Matt.
3: Yeah, you're, you're too young to be injured right now. You know. <laughs> you're, you're in the prime of your life.
2: I, I don't know if I would put it that way. I feel a lot older <laughs> than I am, man. <laughs> I got to stop drinking or something. I don't know. I usually do, you know, sober January where I don't drink at all. I think one of these years, I'm just going to do like a sober year and I'm just going to like... All right, screw it. I'm not drinking at all this year. But let's jump into the first round here, Matt. Uh, like Before we actually look at the ADP of the first 15 players mm-hmm. being drafted, what's like your initial takeaway with the first round of fantasy baseball drafts this season?
3: Uh, my initial takeaway is I want to be in the first half. I, I obviously want one or two. If I have that option, I will take it every time uh, so I can get trout or bets. I've picked three quite a few times this year. And I was splitting that between Lindor and Acuna, uh, but now both players—and this is why I, I like to draft early. Look, there is risk, but both players uh, have you know warning signs now. Lindor is obviously out for quite some time. Uh, he's getting uh, knocked down and d- d- deservedly so. Uh, I don't know how I don't know how severe the calf injury is. It sounds uh, you know like two months he's going to be out. So uh, that's never a good thing with your first-round pick. The thing with Acuna, and I love him, and I'm not worried about the sophomore slump. The only thing I'm worried about is if he's batting cleanup, how is that going to affect his stolen bases? I would love to see him back in the leadoff spot. I know he wants to be a leadoff hitter, and so that's something to think about.
2: Yeah, that definitely is. And I I saw the report uh, when they were, you know, they were talking to the Braves manager, and they said, you know, as of right now, they have a projected starting lineup that has Ronald Acuna batting fourth, whereas last year, most of the damage he did uh, on the base pass in terms of running and stealing bases, you're absolutely right. Uh, It more so came out of the leadoff spot. So, you know, I think he has the speed. He has the potential to steal, you know, 15 to 20 bases. But if you move him down on the order and he's batting cleanup, you know, what do you realistically project? You know, 10 to 12? Is is—is that a fair projection?
3: Uh, I mean, I think you do have to cut them significantly. I, I would think something in that range would sound prudent.
2: Uh, when it comes to Francisco Lindor, I mentioned that, you know, there was an industry draft over the weekend. He fell to the eighth spot. Now, he's dealing with a calf injury and is expected to miss seven to nine weeks, which, you know, that that kind of puts him right around opening day. Like, he might miss the first few weeks, but... A calf injury, especially one that right away they you know they didn't shy away from it. They basically said right away you know mm-hmm. he's going to be on the shelf for seven to nine weeks. You know that is eye opening for me because a lot of Francisco Lindor's value, the way that it has been this year and the way that he was being drafted. You know before this injury he was a top three, top four pick. I saw him slide to pick eight in this draft. If this calf injury is as severe as they're letting on, he's not going to be able to steal twenty five to thirty bases this year, Matt.
3: Well, here's the thing. It happened now, so that's that's the that's the positive. That's you know that's the glass half uh, full kind of mentality. Where you know I don't know. Maybe he's a quick healer. Maybe come opening day he's ready. He just needs to get some at bats and stuff like that. We know in the past though calf injuries can be really significant. For me, it's going to drop him down anywhere from say 12 to that 15 range because I don't want to not get Lindor, especially if I'm picking on the turn, I'm gonna have a hard time passing on Lindor. And say he misses only a handful of games. Say he's ready for the start of the season. You know, I that I don't know. It's something we have time to monitor. If you're drafting now, to me there's like he's probably, you know, like eleven people that I'm definitely taking over him. Uh no questions yet. Just because in that first round you really don't want to have to worry about anything. So if I'm not having to worry about these other stud players, I'll take them. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of question marks on on, on a lot of players. And Lindor, you know, he's hit the 30 home runs, uh, he's going to bat you around 280 with the possibility of hitting
4: 300.
2: Yeah, I'm sure we'll have inside injuries on at some point mm-hmm. this week, and I'm going to have to ask him about this injury. Uh, you know. Typically, I know that their algorithm is, you know, with lower leg injuries, especially something like a calf, I have a feeling, this is just me speculating right now, that they're going to say that he's going to be at a very high risk for re-injury when it comes to a calf strain, uh, especially a guy that we're expecting to steal, you know, anywhere from 25 to 30 bases. So uh, that's just my take on it. Well, we'll find out from inside injuries later on in the week. Matt, I've been on the record already saying that, and I hear what you're saying about drafting in the first round. Look, you, uh, in the first half of the first round, you you get one of these elite talents, you know, first or second, you're going to get Trout or Betts. Uh, you know, you get one of those five outfielders that are oh so important uh, in rotisserie drafts. Um, and look, you just can't argue with the talent that's going in the first round. I have already said that I think, and, you know, I'm still doing drafts and I'm still trying to figure out where I want to be in the first round, but... If I were picking my draft slot, I think I would want to be later in the first round and grab one of these aces to pair with a hitter in the second round, or vice versa. I, you know, I think I want to grab a, one of these legitimate aces, one of these starting pitchers in the first two rounds, one of you know, Scherzer, DeGrom, uh, Chris Sale, Corey Kluber. I, I don't know if you throw Justin Verlander in that mix, but I think he's pretty safe for 200-plus innings pitched. Uh, because to me, I feel like there are more first-round caliber hitters that are being drafted in the second round this year for whatever reason. Look, Jose Altuve was a first-round player the past couple of years, and he returned that value. Uh, now he's going in the second round. There's a reason. I mean, there's, you know, he, he's coming off an injury-plagued year, but there's other guys as well. There's Paul Goldschmidt. I think Aaron Judge has first-round caliber talent. I think Giancarlo Stanton has first-round caliber talent. You're getting all those guys in the second round and you can anchor your starting pitching staff by taking one of those, you know, Scherzer DeGrom, Chris Sale, Kluber types, and then kind of, you know, you're still getting a first round caliber type hitter, in my opinion. How do you feel about something like that?
3: No, I mean, every strategy is, uh, you know, if, if thought out, can be well executed. And I, I can't argue what you're saying. If I'm picking like 11th or 12th, and, you know, my top 10 hitters are off the board. Sometimes, I mean, it was happening more back in like November, early December. It hasn't happened recently, although it did happen to me in my uh, most recent draft champions where I got Trey Turner at 11. Trey Turner is a first half of the first round player for me. I think he's one of the most secure assets you can acquire. All he has to do is stay healthy and he's going to score 100 runs. He's going to stiff 40 bases. He'll give you double digit homers. And a solid batting average. You know, it doesn't have to be 300, but if it's 280 or around there, that's great. If I'm picking, if he's not there, I'm gonna go with Degrom. And here's why: Chris Sale is the best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. But Chris Sale, we saw what happened to him last year. Uh, we saw the World Series and all that. I know all the all the reports are that there's no restrictions and all that. I need to see Chris Sale on the bump. I need to see him slinging it. Uh, if everything points out that he goes out in his first couple of, uh, you know, warm up sessions or his first spring training game, and he looks fine, then I will reassess. Because right now he's he's a steal at the end of the first, early second round if you're getting him, but at current date, I'm not taking sale there. I'll take Degrom. My point with the first half of the draft is I can get one of these players that I really want. And if a Garrett Cole is there, there's enough pitching for me at that spot in the second round or early third that I can get at least one of those aces. If I have the one pick, I mean, I love it because I can get trout or, you know, one or two. We get trout or bets and then possibly even go double aces and I really pound that.
2: So here's the first round as of right now. According to NFBC ADP in the month of February, uh, so, you know, there's uh, 11 days worth of data here. Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, Max Scherzer, J.D. Martinez, Nolan Arenado, Ronald Acuna, Francisco Lindor, Christian Yelich, Trey Turner, Jacob deGrom, Alex Bregman, Javier Baez, Chris Sale, Jose Altuve. Matt, which player in the top 15, I guess, I don't want to use the word worries you most, but who catches your eye most there? Because to me personally... It's Javier Baez because, you know, look, as aggressive as he has, as a swinger as he is last year, I was completely out on Javier Baez. The guy made me look like a fool. Anybody who was out on Javier Baez last year, he made you look like a fool. He was otherworldly. He was amazing. To me, I just worry so much about the plate discipline, his aggressive approach. But look, he's, you know, this is, we kind of have a sample by now, like this is who he is, he's going to be an aggressive swinger, he's going to swing and miss a lot, but when he makes contact, he's going to make pretty good contact, and, and you know, his ability to hit home runs and steal bases, um, you know, it's, it's pretty enticing, so I get why he's going in the first round, but the plate discipline to me is just really scary, um, you know, who, who is someone in this top 15 in the first round that, that has your attention most, that maybe you're shying away from more so than anyone else?
3: Oh, uh, just real quick on buyers. I think that's the popular opinion. I'm kind of with you. The thing was last year I got him at such a price where he was, he was priced to be profitable. This year you're paying. He has to live up to that. And I don't think it's just the batting average risk. I think the stolen bases are at risk. Look at that second half. He was terrible on the base pass. I mean, he was thrown out several times. I forget if it was like 3 of 10. I think he had three stolen bases. He might have been thrown out close to 10 times, something like that. So if the batting average goes down, the stolen bases goes down, and he doesn't hit 30 home runs, you know, you're looking at a guy who's got the uh, infield eligibility all over the place. He's a triple threat there. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's guys like Aaron Judge going in the second round, Paul Goldschmidt that you're passing up on over there. The other guy would be another multi-eligible position player in Alex Bregman. I think the kid is a fantastic hitter. He's going to have a fantastic career. But, you know, news came out uh, a couple weeks back about the elbow and he wanted to win a procedure and stuff like that. So that's always going to give you pause. I mean, I think Bregman is basically as the mirror skills of uh, Jose Ramirez with less stolen bases. But you know, I don't really want to have to deal with that right now. I know he fell. One of my friends was doing a after He got him a twenty, and I, yeah, there I'm. I'm more than fine. I can get my, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, stop my foundation, and then get somebody like Bregman a twenty. I'm. I'm a lot more apt to do that.
2: Matt, we had uh, we had Doctor Aon from Inside Injuries last week to ask him exactly about that same thing that you brought up, Alex Bregman and uh, and the elbow injury. You know, he had some loose bodies. Um, mm-hmm. you know, removed from that elbow. But Doc was pretty optimistic, man. He said, you know, if anything, this was a proactive procedure. Uh, and, and you know, he could actually see that his power can get better from this. So, you know, you're talking about the elite contact skills. You know, I think he had something like a 4.2% swinging strike rate last year. It was the second best in all of baseball. You know, Greg's been doing this thing where he asked me one word to describe how I feel about a player once we get done analyzing said player. And I told him the word that I have for Alex Bregman is boing. What do you think about that?
3: (laughs) No, look, there is, like I said, there's a lot to like in this kid's profile. Uh, He was a a fantastic hitter in college. And, I mean, everything has led up to him, you know, ascending to where he is now. It's just just something you you keep in the back of your mind. I mean, the the first round is even with Lindor getting injured. You still have a, a stable of studs going off here in this first round.
2: Absolutely when we get back, Matt Modique is not going anywhere. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at CTM Baseball of the Athletic. When we come back, we're gonna talk about KDS. What the heck is that? Starting pitchers to target this year, all that and more. The fantasy best friends forever, fantasy sports, radio network.
4: somebody you know maybe next learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs alcohol and bad influences with the fmla people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it call now and learn how we can help you 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 that's 866-484-9621
0: Scout Fantasy Sports. I do think a lot of people take on way too many drafts because it, we love drafting. There's a thrill of drafting. But you have to remember, that's only a piece of it. You still have to manage your team the rest of the year. So I've tried to cut back. I think I was probably in 12 last year. I don't think I'm going to be in double digits this year. I'm hoping not. I think five is in, for baseball is a real good number for me. I think I can handle it. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers.
2: Welcome back to the fantasy best friends forever. Frank Stample joined by special guest today, Matt Modica. We'll have a different guest every day this week. Get us ready for the fantasy baseball season. Greg Sussman's out this week, but it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Greg. Uh, he turns 50 years old today for, for everyone <laughs> wondering and listening. <laughs> there you go. Greg Sussman. What is Greg Sussman doing right now in Florida? I don't know, man. That's a really fruity drink he's got in his hand. Uh. <laughs> He also has a I think, blowout. I don't know what's going on here in this picture. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Greg! But, there you go.
3: I think he's counting his gold bars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's been around a while. Look, fifty years is a long time. We're celebrating the life of Greg Sussman throughout the week. Uh, we'll we'll find out what he's doing uh, every single day. I, I, I heard through the grapevine that uh, he, he's he's going swimming. So maybe we'll get uh, we'll, we'll get some video footage of Greg Sussman <laughs> out in the pool in Florida. But nonetheless, happy birthday to Greg. Before we get back into the fantasy baseball talk, got to let everybody know that the DailyRoto.com partnership with Data Golf is back for 2019 with all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools. Check out the all new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced grouping, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, ownership projections, PGA finish probabilities and simulator, outright and top 20 market betting tools, head-to-head and three ball betting tools, PGA Pro Tip, subscriber chat, and more. Go to DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium, choose golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's DailyRoto.com. Click on Go Premium, click on golf, and enter promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. Maddie Mo, I mentioned before the break that when we get back, we're gonna explain what the hell KDS is, and this is uh, pretty much how draft picks are determined uh, over at the NFBC. So, take it away, Maddie. This is uh, this is your territory.
3: Sure. Uh, real quick, a shout out to the producer to the stars, Chris Bavona, for the intro music. Love it. Uh, KDS is it started with the Kentucky Derby? That's how I don't think they still do it that way. I think it might have changed or been altered a bit. But you got to choose wh- which post you wanted to go out from. So out of the fifteen draft slots, you get to put in your preference. Doesn't mean you will get said preference, but it's giving you an opportunity and a chance to map out the draft board. And especially in high-stakes leagues where there's no trading and stuff, it's kind of imperative, but you do want to set up how you can get your pitching as well. There's, uh aces are going to go flying off the board. I know now you're looking at ADP, and in, in in a month from now, the pitchers will get pushed up. It happens every year. It's it's just a rite of spring. So what you're doing right now is basically setting your foundation. Those first four or five rounds are very critical to me, and I'm not a person that preaches uh, position scarcity. I think outfield is scarce, so you can look at it that way. I, I think you have to have a a plan, and you might want to say, you know what, everybody's going to go for pitching, so I'm going to back off from pitching, and that's fine, but what are you doing in, in those rounds you know, following the first four rounds where you walked away without a pitcher? You're going to need to pound that position pretty hard for the next You know, three rounds or so. You're really going to need to be be uh, aggressive in that area. I mean, there's a trade off with everything, but at least you're having the ability to set up the board the way you want to, and you're not walking in there blind. And you know, some people get flustered. Look, I don't care how good of a drafter you are. You go live. You're you're in a setting. And, you know, you need to stay focused. It's sometimes the easiest things could distract you. And you just don't want to miss what an opportunity. Don't ever fight the board. If something comes to you and you have your, you know, your rankings, or somebody else's rankings, however you do it, never fight the draft board.
2: Matty Moe, look, it's uh, it's taken about, you know, 20, 25 minutes here for me to notice. But, you know, I forgot for a while here that you were a Met fan and that you're wearing a Met hat on a show. <laughs> me. What's going on here? Hey, What's going
3: on with that? We okay. got to represent something, you know. Yan- <laughs> I'm just waiting for them to swoop in and we hear they signed Machado or Harper. I mean, I don't understand the, the Mets? No, Matt, no. The, the Mets? The Yankees. Are oh, oh, oh. I thought I'm you were saying re- the Mets
2: I'm are going to swoop in and sign know, these The Mets guys. should
3: have signed Bryce Harper like they want a free
2: agency. You no, know, yeah, they should. Have, they should. They
3: absolutely You know, or, or, or a Machado, either one of the two. It just, you know, they're a New York City team. Um, they've done a lot of good things. But my point is with the Yankees. And until one of these players signs elsewhere, I'm just waiting to hear that, you know, last minute the Yankees decided to drop this offer, and so-and-so is now a member of the Yankees, and he'll be wearing the pinstripes. I hope that doesn't happen, but, you know. Hey, man,
2: it wouldn't surprise me one bit either, and uh, I will gladly welcome that. Did you see the Pocota projections have, uh, have the Mets projected to uh, be tied for first place in the NL East this year with the Washington Nationals? What do you think about that? I, th- I think it's
3: going to be very competitive. I give, I give them as a Mets fan. I think it's the Nationals' division right now, uh, so I'm I'm not going to get that high on them. I think Atlanta. I'm concerned about the pitching staff. They do not have the arms needed right now. I think they do need to go out and get an ace on that team. You know, they do have a great lineup and all that, but they need to solidify that pitching. And who's going to be closing out games with them? The Phillies have really solidified that lineup, but I think they need another pitcher in there as well.
2: Matty Moe, you know, when I threw it your way to talk about KDS and kind of coming up with a plan for your fantasy baseball draft, uh, one of the first things that you said is you have to have a plan for pitching. And, you know, mm-hmm. as long as I've known you the past couple of years, you've crushed it when it comes to starting pitching. I, I know, you know, over at CTMBaseball.com, uh, every single year you've done the uh, the starting pitcher index. Like, that's your thing. As long as I've known you, like, you've crushed starting pitching. Uh, you know, two, two years ago, you were all over James Paxton. He broke out last year. I know Aaron Nola and uh, Garrett Cole were two of your favorite guys, and and those guys uh, performed admirably, to say the least, uh, in 2018. So, What's your plan, dude? Like, what what is your plan when it comes to starting pitching? I, I know, you know, we tell people, you don't want to have a set plan, you know, you don't want to have too, you know, strict of a plan going into your draft, because as I've said, you know, I would like to get a starting pitcher in the first two rounds, but if the draft shakes out where, you know, there's there's a hitter value that I can't pass up in the early second round, as much as I would love to have starting pitching, like Matt said, you know, you have to be able to adjust to the draft, so... I want a starting pitcher. I want a workhorse. Yes, I do. But, again, you have to be able to change up your draft plan. You know, if someone falls to you, that shouldn't be there. How are you attacking starting pitching this year? You know, like, when when are you looking to get your first one? Does it work that way? Like, how are you attacking uh, attacking starting pitching?
3: If I'm picking late first round, there's a good chance if DeGrom's on the board, I'll walk away with him. Otherwise, I'm going to look more towards the, you know, end of the second, early third and grab at least one. I mean, possibly two. It all, it all depends who's there. I think the values, though, because for me, after the top three, from that four to 13 range, you can make an argument, you know, who should be six as opposed to who should be 12. I mean, it's it's really that close. In uh, And it comes down to more of a preference and which guys you trust more, say teams and stuff like that. But uh, two guys that I think that I'll own a lot of, our uh, Walker Bueller. I'm not afraid of the Dodgers. I know everybody says, "Oh, the Dodgers are going to do this, do that." Look, this kid is talented. I don't put every pitcher in the same box. Uh, I think he gets 170 innings, and if he can get 170 innings, I'm fine drafting him in the third round. Uh, another one is Noah Syndergaard. These guys are going, you know, middle to late third round. They're in that last tier of aces, say. And if I can get one of those two guys there, and say I have two hitters, say I I didn't take a pitcher, and I started with a Walker Bueller, Okay, so I just said he's only get, maybe have one hundred and seventy innings, so he's not getting that one ninety or say two hundred that you're hoping for. And let's be let's be real here. Half the, half the pitchers that did get to two hundred last year barely made it to two hundred, and you know Max Scherzer is the only guy in the last two years to make it to two twenty. I mean, back in 2016, there was a half a dozen starting pitchers that pitched a minimum of 223 innings. So here's my point: if I'm starting Walker Bueller and I'm and I'm uh, penciling him in for say 170 innings, I will be more aggressive on my second and third pitcher, which is fine because I have started with a foundation of two, you know, premier hitters that I have in in my rankings.
2: Matt, you know, uh, I can't argue with you in terms of, you know, Walker Bueller's skill set, what he did last year, 2.62 ERA, you know, 304 FIP, 3.21 XFIP, uh, you know, average nearly 10 Ks per nine last year.
3: But What you got to do with Walker Bueller real quick yeah. is you got to look at him post-All-Star break. Like, if you just look at his stats for the season you see you see an 11 uh swing and strike rate that's not that great so look what he's done post all-star break i mean he's getting 30 uh strike rate 50 percent ground ball the uh swing and strike rate went up in the second half it was like 12 and a half percent i mean this is a kid that we were told was going to be elite he arrived you you saw it in the you know, you, you saw this kid. Even when he got hit in the postseason, that was one of his most impressive starts to me because he was down, what, 4 nothing or whatever. And he, he gave the Dodgers a chance because he went out and pitched another four plus five innings, even, being, even getting shelled in that first.
2: Matt, what I wanted to ask about is the jump in innings uh, specifically, right? Because including the postseason last year, uh, looking at this, he had – between the minors and the majors, in the regular season, he had 153. And then another 23 on top of that in the postseason. So you're looking at around 176. The year before, he didn't even get to 100 innings pitched. This was something that we were talking about this time last year with Severino, the the jump from innings pitched. And mind you, look, his, his first half last year was phenomenal, but he broke down in the second half for whatever reason. He was tired. He was tipping pitches. Does that kind of innings jump from 2017, where he didn't even throw 100 innings, and in the last year he goes all the way up to you know, including the postseason, uh, you know, around 175, almost 180? Does that worry you?
3: No, it actually doesn't. I, I, like I said, I don't put every pitcher in a box. And Severino, for me, that was you know, it was I think it was a combination of say tipping pitches and the fastball command. Uh, you look at Severino's second half; the skills were was still awesome. I mean, the guy had like a 306 FIP in that second half. He still got the strikeouts. It Just everything, you know, the the left on base percentage catered, the uh, Babbitt went boom and all that. So I think that was a combination of those two things. I don't think it was a combination of him, you know, uh, for pitching, you know, having that jump. I'm not scared of it. I know everybody's going to tell you, you know, shy away, the Dodgers, the inning jump. Look, you know, sheep get slaughtered. You know, draft skills, don't draft scared.
2: Uh Walker Bueller, right now you mentioned going at the end of the third round, early fourth round uh, in drafts, um, is he this year's – like you have basically had a few guys the past couple of years that are like your guys. Like th- this is the guy that I'm going to get. You know, I mentioned two years ago like James Paxson. I think every draft that you were in that you showed me, you ended up getting Paxson. Last year you were all over Aaron Nola and you were all over Garrett Cole. Is Walker Buehler or, or even Syndergaard in that regard? Um, are they? Is that like the Matt Modica guys this year? Are those like the ones that you're trying to get on every single team?
3: Well, those have been the guys that have been lasting the longest. So I, you know, I don't see why not. I mean, Syndergaard he lacks command, and he's just if he can. One of the things that frustrated me with Syndergaard last year there's too many counts where he's up 0-2 or one two, and he's throwing the ball. He's getting too much of a plate. Like you got to have guys chasing and you know wasting a pitch or two there and get that strike out. So I, I, I still think he's, in a, he's an amazing talent, but uh, especially if I'm picking, say say I had the fourth pick, and say Garrett Cole or Aaron Nola are still on the board at that point in the second round, and I get one of them, we'll say I started Jose Ramirez. I started Jose Ramirez, and then I go Garrett Cole. I mean, if Walker Bueller is there for me, and then all the other uh, so-called aces are gone. And look, he pitches for Dodger Stadium. I've always been a, an advocate of drafting Dodgers. Uh, I, I think that's a magical mound. It's, it's you know, the National League. We uh, asked money right now. It's not there no more. He's, he was a great framer, but I still think it's a great place to be. So if I to double up there, yeah. If I don't double up and Bueller's my first daughter. As I said, I'm going to be more aggressive in, in that next tier. I'm going to try and get, you know, at least one there, if not two, or one there, and then two from the next tier. So I'm going to have to, you know, change my plans around a little more, but I'm not going to shy away from a guy who has fantastic skills, uh, has the pedigree and all that, just because, you know, uh, the, what the Dodgers have done in the past when they've had guys like Rich Hill, Hunjin Ryu, Alex Wood, these are guys that all broke down. Consistently. So I don't compare him to that.
2: Maddie, when I was texting you last week, I was asking you, you know, the same question like, who's that guy that you're getting on every draft? And, you know, a lot of the results that I've seen with you look, I couldn't be more pleased because it only took a few years, but everyone's finally buying in. Draft. Joe Musgrove.
3: Joe Musgrove. (laughs) Joe Musgrove,
4: yes. Matty Moe,
2: you're finally buying in. Look, he has elite command. I think at times last year, uh, he showed that he does have – he has the skills to get swing and miss. Is he ever going to be, you know, a strikeout per inning, you know, 10Ks per nine? I I don't think so. But can he be – Eight Ks per nine, eight and a half Ks per nine, something like that. With elite command uh, and, and getting ground balls forty-five percent of the time. I look at his arsenal from last year, his pitching repertoire, and he's all over the place. Like he, he you know, he he throws a bunch of different pitches, which you know are going to keep hitters off balance. I'm looking at it here on his Fangraphs page with the Pirates last year: thirty-three percent force fastball, fifteen percent cutter, seventeen uh, percent sinker. So he throws you know three different iterations of a fastball. He has a fourteen percent changeup. slider why is Joe Musgrove one of these guys that you're you know that you're trying to jump in on you know a lot of people talk about Ray Searidge uh, you know when when pitchers end up with Ray Searidge he's able to make a lot out of them it's a pretty good pitcher's ballpark out there in Pittsburgh you know I've long been a fan of Joe Musgrove even when you know Michael Florio and everyone else is basically you know pounding my head against the wall and saying dude what do you see in this guy I was the first well, I one mean, there. I was the
3: first one there. <laughs> you, you were the first, and now you won't be the last. Uh, but there's, there's a lot to like with him. I mean, look at those skills post-Alstenberg. He was a guy I had on a lot of teams last year. It was frustrating at times, and then it started to seem like it clicked. And he that second half— his first pitch, his chase rate were in r- rarefied air. He was among what you would call the the elites. If you look at what he was able to do, he got a 37% chase, uh, around 70% uh, first pitch, and the swinging strike rate is coming. So, I mean, those are three things you really got to like. And he's in a range. For me, For me, Musgrave was a top 40 pitcher this year. So uh, maybe that's aggressive, but I am aggressive by nature. Uh, he's in a six pack of pitchers that I call them, you know the Shane Biebers, the Tyler Glass Now, uh, Musgrove Heaney, Erod, Nick Pavetta. I want to get you know one or two of those arms there I think all of them have uh, extreme potential to hit I mean, they're not all going to hit. But if I can get at least one, I have a chance. If I can get two, I have a better chance. But I I think all those names I just mentioned are going to, you know, they keep uh, quietly creeping up the draft boards and we will continue that over the next month.
2: And I love that idea, Matt. That that six-pack. You're choosing guys that stand out to you from a skill perspective. You know, maybe you didn't see it in the results, but you see it in the skills, the underlying mm-hmm. numbers, guys that can take that next step forward. Last year, outside the top 30 starting pitchers, the guys that were that, that we were looking at and talking about the same exact way, Blake Snell, Patrick Corbin, Jamison Tyone. Those are all guys that are being drafted inside the top 20 starting pitchers this year. Those are the starting pitchers that we're looking for. We'll talk about this more when we come back. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Brain this! Make it rain. I did get a chance to watch the American Football Alliance of... Amer- I swear to, I cannot for the life of me remember what the hell this thing stands for. The Alliance of American Football. A lot like what pizza and sex are. You got that analogy? What I mean is, even when it's bad, it's actually pretty good. And that's pretty much what we got from this football weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network.
2: Welcome back to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stample. No Greg Sussman this week. He's down in Florida celebrating his 50th birthday party. There you go. Uh, Today is his birthday, so reach out to him on Twitter, at Greg Sussman. Let him know how you feel. Happy birthday, Greg. Uh, He's got a fruity drink in his hand. You know, what do old people do to celebrate their birthday? They go down south. They go hang out in Florida. That's exactly what Greg's doing right now. Matt Modica, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at CTMBaseball. He did join the Athletics, so congratulations there to you, Maddie Mo. Before we get back into the rest of the fantasy baseball content on the show today, are you at the game? You just got a good feeling? No problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile betting platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when and when you're on the go. Try it out today and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to mybookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY and mybookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yes, that's right, $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. 844-843-6879 Why? 844-843-6879 is the number to call if you have a question for Maddie Moe or myself regarding fantasy baseball this season starting pitchers the first round where should you be drafting uh, we've covered all of it today but if you have a question feel free to call in and I'm being told that we do have a question we have a caller on the line it is Stephen in Massachusetts what's going on Stephen
1: hey Frankie what's up Mac Modica? how you guys doing
2: doing well what's what up? up dude
1: Hey, I have two questions if you guys have time. Yeah, what's um, up? All right, so my first question, it's on our comments. You guys remember last year when he, he was – at first he was looking good, and then he started the struggle, and uh, so the team, because of his injury, they wanted to move him out in the bullpen. I was just wondering, are you guys worried, like, if you guys dive right back in and let's say that he kind of struggles like he did last year, that they could try to uh, put him in the bullpen, like, in case if they're in the same situation last year where they're, like, uh, trying to, like – You know, like go for that playoff push and like everybody else in the bullpen is kind of struggling. Are you worried about that?
2: I'll start this one off and I'll throw it Matt Modica's way. I know last year he was dealing with a lat injury on and off all season long Uh, and he struggled with command. Look, he's a guy that always struggles with command, but I mean, it was much worse last year than ever before. So you have to wonder, you know, was the lat injury something that was causing him to have that lack of command as long as, you know, for as long as he did last season? I do think that when he's healthy, we kind of know who Carlos Martinez is. Look, he can he can rack up a, a strikeout per inning. He's going to walk a lot of guys. The whip is going to be, you know, in the 1.2, 1.25 range. But he's a guy that can pitch to, you know, a sub 3.6 ERA. And, you know, you can only say that about, uh, you know, you know, 20, 25 starting pitchers in baseball. Uh, I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to remain healthy in the, the starting rotation. Uh, Modica, what do you think about Carlos Martinez this year?
3: Yeah, I think you uh, you, you hit, a lot, hit on a lot of good points. The uh, One especially, he's got to be healthy. We know he's always struggled with command. He's been a guy I've always liked. And this year, you know, you're getting him at the discount. It's a deserved discount. I'm kind of willing to give him a bit of a mulligan. I think, you know... As long as he enters camp healthy, he's in that rotation. And they want him to be in that rotation. I think they need him to be in that rotation as well. So where where he's going off, which is probably outside the top 30 starting pitchers in drafts, uh, it's a spot where I I think it's it's a reasonable get. You have some upside here. You know, you're going to be looking at guys where he's going, and he probably might be going a little later, but then say like Chris Archer, uh, Robbie Ray types. And these are all guys that do have the upside to uh, get you, but you're not paying their previous price.
2: Steve, do you have another question?
1: Yeah. Um, you uh, Alex Reyes and uh, uh, Brent Honeywell, I know those guys were, were battling injury with their arms last year. Um, do you guys want to try diving in as like a late-round flyer, or like somebody that maybe towards like when they come back, you notice that they're coming back that you want to pick them up? Or should you just look at them as, like, the 2020 draft instead for value?
2: Uh, For this season, I think I'm more inclined to jump in on Alex Reyes. I haven't done enough drafts to honestly tell you where he's going, so we'll ask Matt Modiga about that. Uh, But, you know, look – He's coming back from a major injury. I think his upside is higher than Brent Honeywell's. I do think that both guys have upside, and you know maybe Brent Brent Honeywell is more of these guys for the second half of this year, maybe more so the full season of 2020, as you mentioned. Uh, but even if Alex Reyes is starting and pitching well, he's going to have an innings cap, right, Matt? Like I can't imagine him going yeah, more than like I, 120 innings max.
3: I, I look. I don't. No one doubts the talent of this kid, and it was a shame what happened last year. But I have a hard time drafting him right now, unless I unless I'm saving like a Yahoo League where I could stash him in the uh, thing for like rookies or, you know, minor leaguers, stuff like that. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to get. There's other pitchers. I mean, rookie pitchers I want to be after. I want to own is Jesus Lozardo. He's the guy I want to own. The best prospect is Whitley. I'm I i do not know, maybe it's just a gut feeling of mine. I think he's gonna get called upon sooner than later. Uh I know a lot of people project in that 60 to 80 inning range. I I'm I'm taking the over. I think they call on him. So it's a long season. Somebody's gonna get hurt. I watched the kid live in the AFL they saw uh, past November. This is the real deal. And, I mean, I'm really excited for him. We told the same thing last year on Walker Bueller. You know, maybe we'll, we'll see him sometime in the second half a bit. Things changed. They changed quickly. Houston was looking to possibly have him in there before the suspension last year. They were talking in the preseason that he could play a role. So, I mean, I, I, there's, there's actually quite a few rookie arms. It's, it's skipping my uh, – Thought process at the moment. that I'm, I'm going to take over Alex Reyes. I don't really know how much he's going to get. I mean, how many innings are they going to get? I don't think he comes anywhere near 120. If I, uh, if, if, if that's possible, then I'm in on Alex Reyes.
2: Yeah, but no one's going to know for sure. So, yeah, that's a good call there for Matty Mo. You're getting a few starting pitcher prospects that he's looking at this year. Uh, don't doubt the talent when it comes to those guys. Uh, thanks for your call, Steve, in Massachusetts. Uh, hey, no- thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Uh, Matty Moe. Man, I wish I could talk to you for like <laughs> two more hours. <laughs> just about like the starting pitchers because there's like so much that I am going want to like talk to you about here. Uh, but th- there were two players that specifically that I wanted to ask you about that Greg wanted to make sure that I, uh, that I asked you about today. You mentioned that six-pack of pitchers, and I noticed that this player wasn't in there. You told me that you... Think you're in on this player, and I've seen a few drafts where you've drafted him. It's Tyler Glass now, and you know we've heard his name a lot over the past couple of years. One of the top pitching prospects in baseball when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he can never quite figure it out. Uh, you know he's a really, really big guy, so it's hard for him to repeat his mechanics over and over, which has led to. Uh, command issues, frankly, you know, to to, to put it frankly, um, you know, while he has been starting pitcher, they've, you know, messed with him putting him back and forth between bullpen and being a starting pitcher. We saw a little bit of upside last year when he was traded over to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is one of, you know, these analytical forward thinking organizations that I think can get the most out of Tyler Glass now. It's just, can he have okay enough command to bring back value in fantasy baseball, where you know he's not killing your whip, and you know in those games where he's walking three, four, five guys, uh, that he's not blowing up your ERA either. So, how are you feeling right now on Tyler Glass? Now I mentioned he, uh, you know, I remember you, uh, you didn't mention him as one of those, those six he guys. Was, he he oh, was he in was? that he wasn't six
3: Yeah, he's okay. he's he's in that six pack. And here's the thing: I'll say first about it. It's all those guys. I mean, look at Pavetta. People are after him. We're all excited about what Pavetta can do. And he had a, almost a 5 ERA last year. Shane Bieber, who I love, he got hit hard last year. That was his fault. But I think those corrections will be made. Uh, and, you know, guys like Erod got to stay healthy. Even Musgrove has got to clear that health hurdle. But what I thing I like about Glass now is the upside is there. Is it going to happen? I don't know. But it's in that 150-plus range or around that range where – you're looking to buy upside. He only has two pitches. And you, you saw when he went to Tampa Bay, the curveball got increased. The fastball, it was still like 60%, but it was like 70% prior to the move there. If he could somehow get a third pitch that's passable, this is a guy that you can, you can see with the talent, the strikeout ability, you know. And you could get a windfall of riches. It may not work out. It may not work out for half the guys I mentioned in the six pack, but this is where you're going for that upside where you you've built a foundation of on your rotation, and now you're now you trying to hit jackpot. So yeah, I think last as a guy to target, uh, you have to go in. I would you know, that's why don't wait on pitching. Build a floor. I have that floor, and then now's definitely an acceptable guy. Uh, there's a lot to like. He's in Tampa. I know he's got to face the Yankees and Red Sox, which is uh, something you never really look forward to. But, yeah, buy uh, by the possible upside here because the skills look nice.
2: Yeah, Tyler Glassnow, when he went over to Tampa Bay last year, he lowered his – is fastball usage from 72.5% when he was out in Pittsburgh. And I know that's something that the Pirates, uh, their organization, that's like an organizational like theory of theirs, that they really like to pump the fastball. That's why when you see guys like Garrett Cole move over to Houston, start throwing more of his breaking stuff, that's how he's able to you know, have as much success as he did. So uh, Tyler Glass now comes over to Tampa Bay last year, lowers his fastball usage. Uh, the slider usage goes up 14%. Uh, he was at the slider last year, 14% with the curveball. So, look, if he could become fastball, curveball, uh, slider, I think that that's something, you know, that can, uh, yeah, no, that can help
3: no, I think I, I that's – look, there's one thing in the starting pitcher preview I did. And there's one point I kept hammering on. The guys with you know, the slider-curve combination or a slider change if you didn't have that. But having that combination of two off-speed pitchers is imperative to succeed and you'll notice with all the pitchers when they first start out as young starting pitchers they're throwing that fastball around 60% of the time then it goes down to like the mid 50s and then around 50% of the time so that's the evolution of it it's you know can you succeed with two pitches that's really difficult as a starter if you can get a third that you can throw that threshold that 10% threshold that's key
2: and that's why he was wrestling between being a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher because you're exactly right. You know, when a guy can only throw two starting pitchers, that's when you see those kind of pitchers kind of transition into being bullpen arms and become relievers. Because, again, you know, if you're going to be a starting pitcher, you, you can't be as predictable as only having two pitches. You need to have a third pitch. So hopefully T- Tyler Glass now can uh, continue to build on what he did last year in, in terms of, you know, building that third pitch when he was in Tampa Bay. Matty Moe, uh, all right, let's actually sign off YouTube here before I ask you the next question. Uh, make sure you give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening on demand, if you're listening uh, you, uh, on iTunes, if you're listening on Google Play, however you're listening, make sure you subscribe, you leave us a thumbs up, uh, you give us a like, you leave us a comment, you let us know what you th- what you like. Maybe what you don't like about the show. I mean, there's really not much. Matt Modica's here today, so it's great <laughs> show. Uh, so, uh, we're going to sign off YouTube now. Thank you, everybody, for watching. We'll continue on the radio side for the next five minutes or so. Fantasy Football Frenzy is coming up next with Chris Ventra and the Fantasy Taz, Jim Day. Maddie, I've seen you. Uh, you're back. You are back on the Luis Castillo bandwagon. And, you know, mm-hmm. I bring up Luis Castillo to Greg, and, you know, he gets, he gets all up in arms. Jesus, we're going to do the same thing with Luis Castillo as we did last year? Look, he's one of those guys – That got burned by Luis Castillo last year. There was a lot of people. I mean, he was one of the helium arms, as you like to call them. You know, that he was just getting, you know, driven up draft board. Mm -hmm. At the the end of draft season, he was being drafted as a top 25 starting pitcher. The first half, he let a lot of people down. The second half was a lot better. You know, I tweeted this out. If you look at his month-by-month splits, he was a headache. I mean, one month, uh, he had an ERA over five. The next month, he had an ERA under three. Uh, You know, I, I know in September, he had an ERA under two. So... Look, the here's, skills are there. I see that you're buying back in on Luis Castillo. Why is that?
3: Here's why. He's if you just look at the first half and in the second half, he, he made adjustments. He got I mean, he got obliterated in that first half. The second half, he was on the leaderboard among among qualified pitchers all over the place. From X to ERA, uh swing and strike percentage, walks. I mean, he had a K minus uh walks percentage. At 20%, just above 20%. That is very good. He has two pitches that generate 40% whiffs. This is a talented arm. I mean, I was having an argument about a, a team I had, uh, my auction championship that I won last year in the NFPC and finished fourth overall. The, the two pitches I paid for were Carlos Carrasco and then Luis Castillo. And at the break, Carlos Carrasco had a four twelve 12 ERA. Uh, uh, Castillo was over five. Yet, I was still able to win because you've got to play out the season. The second half stats matter as well. You don't cut talented players. Castillo made, made cognizant adjustments at the break. He lowered the fastball usage, which, look, his fastball is not good, and that's me being kind. But he lowered that 10%. He increased his secondary pitches by 10%. So that was a trade off. You, you saw results. I think that trend continues. Uh, guys like him, even a Jose like Barrios, who hasn't made that full leap yet. I, I think he's ready for it. I think you know you got to give a little faith on this one. But I, I think that next step is coming, and it's coming now. And I want to be in on him.
2: With Luis Castillo, it's just so frustrating for me because. Why, and this comes with like really any fantasy sport, like it happens in football all the time, too. It ha, you know, it happens in fantasy baseball. It's like some of these guys are just stubborn, right? Look, he falls in love with his fastball. Everyone sees he lights up the radar gun. He throws 96, 97 miles per hour. But if it's clear the year before that he performed so well when he was using the slider and the changeup so much, why does he start off the first half of the season last year throwing the fastball over 60%? I don't expect you to have the answer to that. Matty Mo, but it's like a rhetorical question that I just never understand that if pitchers or if running backs or, you know, whatever in any sport, if they have something that's working, why don't they go back to it, right? Like, why did it, take him, why did it take him half a season to realize that he should be using his secondary stuff more?
3: Well that could be coaching philosophies too yeah. you know at certain times in fantasy football you know it's you're drafting the coaching staff too and, and the schemes that they're gonna run so with him that could have been i forget who just went over there i know who it is I, I can't think of the top of my head right now uh they got a new pitching coach i'm really excited about him uh that's another thing and in the second half of the year the fastball thank you the, the fastball velocity uh spiked he you know it was. You know, and he his fastball was, you know, it, it was up there. Second half, he was tied with Jacob DeGrom for third. For the season, he was tied with uh, Blake Snell for, I think, sixth. So, look, he's got the velocity. He needs to make the fastball work. If he makes the fastball, it doesn't have to be a fantastic pitch for him. It just has to be somewhat near average. It's been garbage. And when he has a secondary, th- this is a kid that could easily, easily be You know, what you saw in that second half. So, I mean, everybody kills him for that first half. Rightfully so. I owned him. But you got to give him credit for what he did in the second half. And I see a lot of analysts not doing that.
2: Matt Modica Mondays. We're going to make this a thing. We're going to have fun with this. You know, uh, I don't know if it's going to be an entire show. But we're going to try and get Modica on every Monday here. A segment here. A segment there. We'll have some fun. We'll talk fantasy baseball with Matt. Thank you so much, Modiga, for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you again, man.
3: Thanks for having me. Happy birthday, social. Media.
2: Happy birthday, Greggy. Coming up next, Fantasy Football Frenzy with Jim Day, Chris Ventra. Appreciate everyone listening out. We out.